Hello guys and welcome to the latest and last episode of the Bring On United podcast for the 2021-2022 season and thank the Lord for that. Oh God, what awful, awful season it has been. Um, the worst one in living memory. 50, what, 58 points? Zero goal difference. I mean, oh, I, I've, I've seen bad, but I've never seen this bad. We lost Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. We lost six away games on the spin, scoring like twice. It's just been a miserable, miserable end to a miserable, miserable season. I'm now on my pre-season, out in the garden enjoying the sun. Probably go have a bev after this to celebrate the arrival of the bold genius, Eric Ten Hag. We're going to get into him. We're going to laugh at Liverpool because that's all we've got in life right now, laughing at Liverpool. Um, my, my best moment of the weekend... Uh, was just that fake rumour. Oh, the fake rumour. Whoever it was, give him a knighthood. Give him everything he wants. Give him a, any, If he asks for anything, just give him it. The scenes around Anfield when they were, they were told Philippe Coutinho, he wasn't even on the pitch, had equalised for Aston Villa. Oh, Jürgen Klopp hugging people. The bloody everything. And then after about five seconds, we realised it wasn't true. And the kids' tears came down their faces. It was brilliant. Zach, how's how's your weekend? I would say the majority of my weekend was stressful. I don't think I actually fully enjoyed it until the final whistle went at the Etihad. And and even then, I mean, as as we've all said, enjoying City winning the league is something that feels painful and wrong to say. But ultimately, we're a historic club. And, and all we really have to hang on to right now is the fact that we've won the most league titles and we've won the treble. And we nearly lost both of those achievements, you know, Villa nearly took them away from us. I don't know what they were doing, where that suddenly came from, but crazy scenes. I mean, the Premier League really is just the best league in the world, and, and this sport is the best sport in the world. That is absolutely mental. I think, I think a lot of people guessed that maybe there'd be a bit of drama that you know with the whole Gerard and the Coutinho thing, but I don't think anyone expected it to go like that. I mean, for City to be two nil down with what like about twenty minutes to go mental but I mean you say you say about the fake rumour going around for me my favourite moment was Mohamed Salah thinking he just had his Aguero moment I mean the way he ran off he he looked like he thought he'd just won them the league and and watching them I mean I watched the uh, final whistle go watching the Etihad game uh, watching the game at the Etihad sorry I flicked over to Anfield as soon as the final whistle went. I was like, I don't want to watch City lifting the title. I want to watch Liverpool crying. And you saw Salah and Alisson going up and getting their individual rewards. And they just looked gutted. And, and yeah, maybe it's a bit depressing. Maybe it's depressing that on the same day that United lost, we actually ended up somehow being the winners of the day. But do you know what? After this season, I'll take it. But genuinely, highlight of my weekend is Salah thinking he'd had an Aguero oh. moment. But it's also the fact that this is over. Thank the Lord. Uh, yeah, that's probably them. Actually, I take it back. My highlight of the weekend was the final whistles and the Premier League season is over. And what started out with promise, obviously, the, what, whatever date it was in August, that, that Leeds game, was it 24th of August or something? Might have been a bit earlier. I can't remember. But, no, I mean, either. Um, it feels a lifetime ago. Like, it doesn't feel the same season. It doesn't feel the same team. And, oh, thank the, just thank God. Thank God. Uh, we said a lot about this last week, but yeah, honestly, when the fans got to Salah, 3-2, 3-2, come on. Oh, and his face drops, but yeah. Um, I mean, they still could win the Champions League, so let's not go too much yet. And another, one, <laughs> and another one of our rivals stayed up, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Easy six points against Leeds. He scored five goals a game. Burnley, thank for 
thank Jesus, hey, darling. I'm sick of got a turf more and coming out with a draw, watching them drivel football. They're shite football. As much Such as I hate Leeds, well, as much as I hate Leeds, I can look forward to a rivalry going to United versus Leeds, and also, I'm pretty sure six points. Easy. Easy, yeah. No, I mean it's it was. I just enjoyed the fact that we had such a mental last day of the season. But, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's one of those Leeds and Burnley. They just to me, they've lost their Premier League identity now. They've lost Bielsa and Deitch. I think before both the managers went, I felt really strongly about both of them going down because I hated going to Turf Moor because they just smash you. You'd, you'd expect to get at least one or two injuries, and playing Leeds, you just always had that feeling that because they were so good at scoring goals. Yes, we would normally smash them, but there was always the chance, like when they brought it back to 2 2 at, at Ellen Road. But now they just sort of feel like a little bit nothing, and, and it sort of took away from it. But yeah, as you say, I mean, it's nice having the rivalries. I mean, I remember one of my favourite fixtures when I was younger to watch was Sunderland Newcastle. And now with the whole Newcastle takeover, I think it's such a shame that we don't have that one anymore. So yeah, we want to keep these rivalries in the top flight. So yeah, I, I don't mind Leeds staying up. And, and fair play to them. They did it, they did it in a, an impressive way. They kept it entertaining. Right. Um, on to the sad part of the weekend. Uh, Manchester United. Uh, who would have thought Manchester United would be sad? Everyone. I, I don't think anyone expected us to win this game. I didn't even. Fi I felt nothing. That's. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this season. When that when it popped up that Wolf Zahara scored, I felt nothing. It was just like, oh yeah, yeah, we're playing, aren't we? I mean, I don't think Gillette Soccer Saturday went to our game at all once, except for the goal. Uh, before that, we didn't go, and after that, we didn't go. It was just like this boring game going on in the background. No one gave a damn about and. I think that is the worst thing. I, I I lost that disappointment. I actually lost excitement. You know, United scoring, United conceding. It was like, oh yeah, sort of expected that. And then West Ham took the lead about 30 seconds later. And, and then the bells started to ring. Oh no, the bells of danger. The Europa Conference League was calling our name. But then I looked up that the final was in uh, Prague. So I was like, nice day out if we want to go. But thankfully, Danny Welbeck... Our guy Welbs scored a goal and all but sealed our fate to the Europa League. And it would have made it ten times worse. David Moyes pipping us to a position like that on the same day. City or Liverpool come with the league. Leeds stayed up. It had just been an all-round miserable day. But thank you, Danny, because we're crap. You did it for us. Yeah, we need the helping hand. I mean, I think the most painful thing for me about yesterday with United was one of our favourite sayings as United fans is hated, adored, but never ignored. And there was literally every other game was being shown highlights and this and that. Nobody gave one fuck about Manchester United, did they? Which was painful. But, you know, that that's what you get for being rubbish. That's You know, that's why we're not on TV on the last game of the season. Literally nobody cared. I mean, I tried my best. I mean, sorry, I shouldn't admit it on here. I definitely didn't try my best to find a dodgy stream to watch the game. Um, and I definitely didn't fail after about 10 minutes of trying and then just give up. Um, but but no, I mean, yeah, who really expected us to go in? You know, there was a little part of me that hoped maybe Ten Hag was there. It was Ranić's last game. There were a load of players who were playing their last game. Maybe they might just give it a bit of fight, but... I'm just kidding myself at this point, aren't I? I think we all are, you know. It was never going to happen. But yeah, I think if we ever bump into Danny Welbeck or any of the Brighton lads, we owe him a nice little drink for saving us from that horrible green competition. Although I'll say it on here, just in case we ever do end up in it, 
hey, at least if we win it, we've completed the lot. That's what I was going to tweet if we ended up finishing yeah. seventh. But no, I'm happy to be in the Europa League as we've already gone over. Yes, it's not the Champions League, but at least it is something competitive to fight for. And it's one of those. We really want to break this trophyless streak we've been on. And, and winning the Conference League, it would have been great. And I'm sure we'd have loved it. And as you say, it would have been ace to go to Prague. But it wouldn't have felt special. Whereas we have that chance now, at least. So, yeah, thank you, Brighton. Thank you, West Ham, for crumbling at the last minute. I can't believe we're actually talking about West Ham potentially overtaking us on the last day. But that's how far we've fallen. Yep. It's one of those. It, it's weird. But... United lost, but as I said, we were the winners of the final day somehow. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been an awfully strange season. And touching on your point, actually, of like what it meant to have won the. I, I was very conflicted because, I mean, it. I don't know. It's it's new, isn't it? So we don't know how well it's received. I mean, mm. Tottenham didn't seem to take it seriously. I know they had a few COVID issues and stuff, but I think Harry Kane were actually scoring loads of goals, but they were losing games. Um, maybe it was just new, not being crap. and Honestly, Conte could probably have won that if he'd have been in the, the last stages, but Nuno oh, didn't sure. give him that chance. So we don't know how it's perceived yet. Obviously, the final is on Wednesday, I think. Um, so we'll see how it is. It's in Albania. Very weird choice of a place to host a, wow. a, a European competition. But good luck to Jose Mourinho. I'll, I'll be written Roma, I, I think. I, I was going to say, I think for me, if Jose wins the inaugural competition, that puts a little bit of credit on it straight away. Oh. Especially because he's already said how much he wants to win it because, you know, he, he struggled the last few years, you know, even though he won the the treble. Uh, for anyone who's yeah. listening on audio, I, I did do um, quotation <laughs> marks because it's not really a treble. But, you know, even though he was successful since then, he's really, really struggled as a manager getting thrown out of Tottenham the week before a cup final. So I really hope he does win it, as you say. And I think them winning it would make it feel a bit more prestigious because you immediately connect the trophy with one of the greatest managers that's ever lived. But... Yeah, it's one of those. It, it will always be a bit of a token trophy. Yeah, that guy considered the uh, Community Shield a real trophy. But David Moyes had dingy knocked a fair play to David there. But yeah, it's <laughs> obviously we don't know how it... But the Europa League, there's some big guns in there. We'll be fair it's going in, I think, with his uh, under-10 hard now. Even though our Arsenal will be in there. Um, we'll be teams dropping from the Champions League. But yeah, I, I watched the final last week, uh, Severe and Rangers. Uh, it brought back some painful memories of a year ago. I... Mm. I, I was getting PTSD watching that penalty shootout. Uh, and also the chance uh, Ryan Kemp missed. I, I remember us missing a big chance in uh, extra time. And it's like brought back some bad memories. But it's a huge competition. I think it's a bonus as well. Because uh, Conference League, you, you'd be travelling even further, I think. And you're, I know we'd be playing a, a different squad. But you don't want that travelling with a squad all over Europe uh, to the far reaches of Eastern Europe. Um, more with the Europa League, you are in Central Europe. Um, most likely, which is all good, it's all happy. Thursday night, at least it's not Thursday nights on Channel 5 anymore. I think the Europa League has gained respect over the last 10 years. Since I think BT have actually held that. I think uh, clubs playing stronger teams and better teams dropping down has. Do you know what? I'd actually give us a little bit of credit. I think we actually helped the Europa League a little bit. I think since we won it and took it quite seriously, it has started to feel like a trophy that you actually want to win. And, that, and that, I know it was sort of before, but I think us being connected oh, with it, such a big European team, did elevate it. I think United and Chelsea, uh, Chelsea were obviously winning 20. 2013 mm. didn't there as well and I think yeah, yeah. United Chelsea some you know severe obviously have won it quite a bit I think normally you'd be looking at you know like no thanks to Zenit St Petersburg when we won the Champions League it, they, they were in the final um, but yeah there's it was, it was always big teams so I think it's gained the respect it needs and I'm excited to go and obviously the group stages you're like hmm 
once you get to that quarterfinal, it feels like a big European competition. I remember being your know, Anderlecht uh, when Zlatan unfortunately got his injury. The European nights. It's not Champions League. It doesn't feel quite the same. You don't have that music, but it's still special European nights at Old Trafford. I can't wait to be back there what, uh, cheering on the team. Mm. Um, so yeah, next up we're going to be talking about... It was a day of goodbyes uh, like yesterday, so we're going to move on to uh, a few of the people we said goodbye to and who we might still say goodbye to. So yes, yesterday at Selhurst Park at full time, we said goodbye to some uh, very good people, some good footballers and possibly the most beautiful, cute, amazing magician, El Mago. But first, of course, was the goodbye to Ralph Randnick, our interim manager, after, what, seven months or so, six months, in charge of Manchester United. He is moving to a consultancy role, but moving to Austria and doing crazy stuff with his life. It's just really ending a sour note with him, I think. Yes, people, a few weeks ago, bigging him up with his press conference stuff, but the results in the, the last four weeks of the season have plummeted. He's got a worse win percentage than Gary Neville did at Valencia. Um... We've lost six consecutive uh, away games on the bounce. You know, people still try and blame Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, but Ralph Randnick's had, what, seven months to try and turn these things around here, over half a season. I just feel, once we went out of that Champions League, his his fight left, the players' fight left, and, um, of course, one that has alluded to problems around the club, not just for players, training, not being up to standards. Um... And yeah, it's just it just hasn't worked, has it? It did for the first few weeks, but after that, I mean, probably since January twenty twenty, uh, since January, sorry, it started to crumble. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a shame with Ranić really because everyone suddenly got so excited when he got linked with coming to the club. It hasn't worked, and there, there is a part of me that gets a little bit frustrated because I think there is a big portion of our fan base who just defend him because he just comes up, you know, he comes out and slags off the players and all of that. And there is a, you know, a bit of a, there, there is a point where you go, come on, mate, like the, these players are, are not doing well, but you're also not doing a good job here. But ultimately, what it comes down to is he came in as interim manager. Thankfully, he got Europa League at a minimum. I think. We still could have got top four, really. You know, Arsenal and Tottenham didn't necessarily fly ahead of us. It's only recently they've started to break away after we lost it at the Emirates. But Europa League isn't that bad. I think the main thing with Ranić is, we, as we've said multiple times, is what effect has he had on this squad and what effect will that have done in terms of, like, will that help Eric Ten Hag? Will he pass on messages to Eric Ten Hag? Will he go up to the board and be able to use his experiences with the squad to help us in the transfer window? Will he know more than we can just sort of speculate about? You know, there are loads of players who we think aren't a good fit for the club who he may have a different opinion on and and vice versa as well. So, ultimately, it could end up being a good thing that we've had someone who's going to a higher up position in the club in there in the dressing room on the training ground but yeah as you say on the pitch it's been absolutely awful and and it is hard because you don't really you can't sit here and slam an interim manager because they've never you know he's never had that incentive to create a long-term vision but you know he he had a job really to stabilize it and he hasn't really done that unfortunately so yeah let's just hope he's a bit better on the board than he was in the hot seat uh but yeah uh like you say it's just it's weird, you know. You, you don't know who to blame. You don't know where to look. Obviously, there's blame at every play, every place. You know, John Murter even just for hiring him. You know, this is a his first big thing. It's not worked out. But if it's in the long term, if we had to wait for it to hard and worked out, it's fair enough. Um, 
but yeah, um, interestingly, obviously, Laurie Whitwell's being a busy guy on The Athletic, uh, one of my favourite journalists. He obviously did the interview with Juan Mata, where he opened up about the uh, struggles this season, how it's gone wrong on, on and off the pitch. He's accepted responsibilities, players, but he has pointed the fingers towards um, the coaching staff, who have been taking a drumming recently, I think. Um, uh, uh, Chris Armas, Ewing Sharp... Uh, the psychologist who he brought in and he learnt today there was a massive massive report we're talking probably around 6,000 words on uh, Ralph Randnick's uh, behind the scene of Ralph Randnick's uh, time at Old Trafford and he was using his former assistant unpaid in Locomotive Moscow to watch Manchester United games live and you know the airports Chris Armas was using that's mm. connected to the guy in Moscow and wow he was analysing from there and the players did not take to this at all like it took uh, the game against West Ham which we won 1-0 um, you know with the Rashford goal apparently the analysis of West Ham he was doing did not get back to Old Trafford get back to Manchester till Sat- uh, Friday evening we were playing on Saturday afternoon the, yeah, he was using a guy off Manchester United's books he sidelined a lot of um, the actual analysts we have at the club which without even taking a look at them he wanted this guy in Moscow to be doing it and I just stuff like that like when this is coming out and of course Chris Armas was bigging himself up to Sir Alex Ferguson about his time as a player in the MLS as a manager of the MLS and he, Sir Alex Ferguson apparently just looked at him and you go and need a lot more than that son y- yeah I, 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 as, as you... and yeah, there's mean, so I'm many good. examples of this stuff um, happening and it's just not worked apparently sideline feeling and during this West Ham game, Mick Phelan, who's been, you know, we don't, we still didn't know what his role was under Radnick, uh, and he's been a, a butt of many jokes, but they were arguing about who to bring on, who to bring off. Apparently, Radnick and his coaches wanted to bring off Ronaldo for Jesse Lingard uh, when we needed a goal against West Ham. Uh, Phelan then stepped forward and went, no, no, why would you do that? Um, we've got Martial here, who will run against that fullback, he'll keep wide, Lingard won't come in the middle, we'll take off Greenwood, put Martial on, and keep Cavani and Ronaldo on. And the three players all had a role in that goal in the 93rd minute. I'm not saying tactical genius Pep Guardiola style of McFeeling, but showed a little... Uh, just that little stuff like knowing the Premier League, knowing players, knowing what's happening. I just don't think this coaching staff at all had any of it. No, no, no. I think, as, I, as I've mentioned before with Rannick, there was always just this feeling that, like, you'd go into a game, he'd try a new tactic. If it worked, you'd see it next week, and normally it didn't work, and then he'd just completely change it up. Like, that's that's what I mean. We never really found a system, and I think a big part of that was because he knew that it was only short-term. You know, you see, like... Mikel Arteta, for example, at Arsenal, is trying to implement a system. And even though it's not really worked for him this season because they've ultimately ended up missing out on top four and not winning anything, he's just stuck with it because he knows that it's a long-term project and it's hard to do that as an interim manager. But but yeah, as you say, like it does feel weird. It didn't really feel like... Under Rolly, there was a lot of criticism of the, the staff and everything, but they did feel together. They did feel on the same page. It felt like they thought things through and they had ideas. You just you just didn't understand what was going on this last few months. You just couldn't predict anything. I mean, for example, like I was happy, but I was so surprised that Hannibal started yesterday. I just didn't. Expect, it just feels like it sort of came out of nowhere, really. You know, he seems to. You know, like you had like Garnacho doing well, didn't really get a chance. 
it, ju- it just seemed really random. But that, I mean, that's that's the one thing that I can ask from you know Eric Ten Hag. Really, we all seem excited about the staff that he's bringing in. Be consistent. Stick with what you know. Try and bring your own tactics in, and and don't let the players sort of push you around. And ultimately, make sure that the final say is going through the manager. But yeah, it's, it's a weird one with Ranić. How, how do you even analyse it? It's so, been just such a weird season. So last touch on Ranić. Uh, we'll talk about he's he openly criticised Ronaldo this week for not pressing. Uh, weird battle to fight, I guess. Um, Ronaldo's never been a pressing guy. Mm. He's, he scored all the goals. He's basically dragged you through, Ralph. And, and we'll rate him out of 10. I don't really like doing that. You know, it seems a bit fan changly or trying to put people odds against each other for differing opinions and you know just attacking a manager. But I, I, I've got to give him a four. Yeah, his press conferences were good. He, he outed the board. He outed a few people. But overall, the football's been below par. And Manchester United have a goal difference of zero. I mean, Manchester United... Zero with a, as a goal difference. It's, it's a joke. It's pathetic, and yeah, um, it can't get any worse. At least, what what were you first? The Ronaldo thing was it? It's way big battle to pick, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just I just think again. I think we've mentioned it before, but if you're attacking Cristiano Ronaldo, then. You, I'm asking more questions of the manager than, than the player in that sort of sense, and that's not something I like to do a lot of the time. A lot of the time, I think, you know, you you listen to them of the but when you're talking about somebody like, what can you do? You know, he's one of the greatest players of all time. So if it gets to the point where you're trying to blame, I, I, I don't know, if blames the right word, but question Cristiano in the position you. No, we could have dropped down to mid-table without Cristiano Ronaldo towards the back end of this season. He's been that important with his goals, with his hat tricks and everything. So, yeah, I'm not a massive, I'm not a massive fan of that really. And you know, I think it's just nice to see, as you were telling me before, I've not had a chance to catch up on all the things that Eric Ten Hag and everybody's been saying the last couple of days. I've not had a chance to watch him yet, but he seems very positive about Ronaldo, and, and that's good. I want a manager who loves Cristiano Ronaldo because I love him, and I think he can do great things next season. So yeah, um, finally, out of ten, let him move on to a few of the players. Out of ten for Ralph Ranić, for, for me, I think, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit bitty here, which might annoy annoy a couple of people. But I think it purely depends on what happens in the future. I think going off his managerial performance, for me, it's a two. I just I just, I just hated it. You know, I'm, I'm, bearing in mind the money that we put into watching Manchester United and the time that we invest into this, this is meant to be a hobby. It's meant to be something that we look forward to. After a long week, you look forward to going to Old Trafford on the weekend. And I feel like I've lost that. So for me, it's a two or a three. However, if Ranić's time here, if the stuff that he's exposed leads to us getting better, I'd give him a six or a seven because ultimately that's what we needed. We needed someone to come in and be ruthless. And, and it is one of those we won't know for at least another year or two. So for now, it's a very low two or a three for me because I, I'll go three. I'll, I'll be generous with a three because at least we beat Leeds away, which was nice. <laughs> and we beat Brentford on the last day of the season. And we did manage to finish sixth, but it's not been good. No. So on to the players we've said goodbye to. Um, Matic, Cavani, possibly Phil Jones, possibly one matter. It's a massive day of goodbyes yesterday. Uh, obviously, Jesse Lingard as well. Um, yeah, the one matter one's interesting. We don't know what's going to happen to him just yet. He says he's going to have talks with Ten Hag. But 
he looked emotional yesterday and he was waving he was waving so I, I think that's the last time we see one marrying a Manchester United shirt and yeah I, I, he's easily the one I'd pick I'm the saddest about sad about Matic too Cavani I mean at times I've forgotten his this season sort of thing he's just had this real if he'd have gone I think it might have been just best to go out last season I know we all in hindsight it's easy to say that because we all thought oh he's got a kick on just like he's done here but he just he just didn't seem to want to be here after Ronaldo sort of thing and he he picked his games very particular, so yeah. Yeah, um, what? I, th I think the Cavani one is disappointing. How he sort of ended up going off this season. Uh, I think the, mo the thing I'm most disappointed in is probably the song. Uh, I'm going I'm to miss that. That was an absolute belter. But yeah, I, th I think it, it was time for him to move on ultimately. Um, yeah, again, Matic and Mata. We, I think we've said it's a shame that they've not won more trophies with the club. They've not had bigger moments. People always argue that Mata probably... I mean, I've seen people argue he threw his career away because um, he was so on top at Chelsea. But I think they've been good servants to Manchester United. Whether we need Mata to stay around again... I feel like I say this every podcast, uh, but I think it is relevant. When you've got Europa League football, it's never a bad thing having more numbers and having a bit of experience in there. But yeah, it's not the end of the world if they go. Uh, they are getting older now and it's more about bringing in new players and starting to, you know, begin the rebuild. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, obviously, Phil Jones, he's, he's doing a decade. I don't know how, but the, the abuse and stuff he's got has been horrible and vile over the last few years. And... Yeah, we've got to thank him. I mean, he's he won a Premier League with us. He's won quite a lot with us. Same with Matter. I mean, Matter scored in my FA Cup final. Um, he's done. He's never mm. said anything bad about us. You. He's never mouthed off. He's, he's just a very likable person. His charity work. He's his his restaurants and stuff in the city centre. He's put a lot of people in jobs. Um, so yeah, he's he's doing a lot for Manchester and Manchester United. And you can't thank him enough. And I just hope he goes out and enjoys some football in Spain if he leaves. You know, playing in the sun, just loving life. Um, so yeah, that, that's we've we're day goodbyes, some happy ones probably, some sad ones, and we're moving on now. And so were we. We're going to be talking all things Eric Ten Hag. Uh, he's done his first interview with MUTV today, and he's had his first press conference. And we just, we're not going to overanalyze. We're not going to be all that. You're know, looking at everything he said. We just go discuss the future. And he said we've got a lot of history. Now it's time to create a future. So yes, as of today, Eric Ten Hag. Is the new Manchester United manager. Um, he's been speaking at MUTV, he's been doing his first press conference, he's had a lot to say. And I, I'm just, first of all, I just love how he sets him. He's, he's got this no this sense of no bullshit. He's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with you guys, but really, I can't be bothered at all. You, you're annoying, you, you ask stupid questions. A few times, you just give some of the journalists a look, and they go get very used to that look. Especially people like Samuel Luckhurst, uh, the guy from Daily Mirror, that Discord down on Twitter. Uh, laid him and that's it and they go get used to that look because some of the questions were just a bit stupid and they're used to it with Manchester United managers in the last few years pressing and getting more angle out of them you know Ralph Rangnick liked to talk nothing wrong with that he maybe gave a bit too much weight at times Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is a beautiful lovely man and yeah he talked a bit um, this reminded me of like Sykes Ferguson yeah, yeah you'll know when I want you to know um, this isn't for you this is for me and he just gave that look of, right, shut up now. 
you're asking stupid questions and just moved on the biggest example was what can uh, he was asked is Ronaldo in your plans he just went Ronaldo yes he's a brilliant player can't wait to work with him uh, what do you expect from Cristiano Ronaldo uh, what can he bring you and he looked at the guys went what Ronaldo goals laughed and moved on you know didn't open up didn't go into any more basically it's between me and Ronaldo like I love that he, he gave some good he, he wasn't just moody and you know gave a bit of a stoic figure he, he gave some great answers and he talked about the project he talked about speaking to people van der Saar, Lou van Gaal, uh, Daily Blind and yeah I just I was impressed by it all you know I, I think we say that every manager's press conference you know, first press conference but he didn't see more of affairs you know he's English uh, won't be a problem but you know I can see a few times you know maybe you know if United aren't doing well he could become a bit of a few jokes but it won't be a problem to us fans because he's got I, I fully expect this project to get underway right away now he, he seems ready you know he's called uh, he's called his holidays early and he said it's work time yeah agreed I think uh, I, from what I've seen of him and, and from what the media have sort of tried to portray, I could absolutely see him becoming the new villain of the Premier League. He just gives off that sort of vibe of like a James Bond villain. He he just looks stern. He looks angry. He looks, but I love him. I love the fact that he seems to be keeping things, you know, his cards close to his chest. Uh, I hope that's something that he continues with. I love the fact that I think going into that first game of the season, we're going to have absolutely no idea what he's going to do. I know that there are a lot of people who will have watched and studied his football at Ajax who will know a hell of a lot more than me and maybe can put stuff together but you know I, I just can't see him giving a lot away I think it'll be pretty hard you know whether whether he does go exactly how he did before we'll have to wait and see but no he, he does seem smart as you say as English uh, I'll be honest what what for, I've seen like a tiny little clip of the interview he did this morning I thought his English seemed a little bit worse than when I've seen him in press conferences. Maybe that's just just me. I, I, maybe I'm just getting confused. But he seems to understand the language well enough. Um, and yeah, I like what I've seen so far. I need to actually catch up and watch all of the, the different bits that have come out recently. I've not seen all of them. But yeah, I, I like what I've seen. So yeah, um, uh, he was asked about Maguire and he confirmed he'd be in my plans. I don't think there's any shot there. You'll get the football Twitter weirdos, your people just... Oh, why aren't we selling every single player at Manchester United? Because you know, like you get Matt Goldbridge and that brigade trying to tell you how to buy and sell players. Like he's playing his FIFA career mode, he does, and he's pretty shit at that. Every time I see, he's always losing. He's he, you know, just short mark. You know, you're pretty shit on Brent, whatever the fuck he calls. <laughs> Support not going for us this weekend. Uh, but he, he was asked, Will McGuire be the captain? Uh, he says, I repeat, next season a different season. He's doing a good job. He's a great player. He's achieved a lot with in football you know, with England and at Manchester United yeah, let's be, we're not kidding ourselves he's been crap this season but so has everyone else um, Manchester United's always been his favourite club um, on he, I asked about what he'll listen to you know, from Ralph Ronick he went I'll, I'll listen to him and we'll talk but at the end of the day it's my opinion that matters now I'm a manager I like that um, you know, he's got to set his own things he'll listen to people but at the end of the day it's got to be him and his coaching staff now that are going to make the decisions, make who want to bring in. You know, there'll be help from people like Ralph Randnick of his experiences, but um, he has all the footage, all the tape of matches, so he can watch that and show up, think, oh, I can do stuff with him. Ralph Randnick will be able to help with the training ground stuff, obviously. We've heard many stories about people leaking or being bad trainers. So, yeah, um, 
about the summer, he was uh, he's just he was very close to his chest. He kept repeating the word process, plan, and uh, conditions. They're the three biggest things he kept repeating, and. I think he's, he has got this plan, he said he's got to follow the plan, I think it was cu uh, Custard from The Sun, uh, who Lou Van Gaal actually called Fat Man that time, um, asked about what was that plan, he went, why am I? Why would I tell you? And he's right, like, why would he have to, just because you're a Manchester United manager, one of the biggest club in the world, and there's going to be all eyes on him all over the summer going to Australia, why does he have to divulge his plan on day one? I mean, just let him get his feet under the table. Let him perform that plan. If, I mean, these guys in that room, they say they want to succeed and be happy here. And, he, you know, just let him do his plan. You know, he, he doesn't have time for talking. I think the best one was... He actually asked a good question, Custer, about uh, good managers of being here. What, what what makes you different? He just said, I've got confidence. Um, you know, he just looked at him and went, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe it. And it's true. And... The best part was, obviously, he talked again about rejecting other clubs because, I mean, we're a big club, obviously, and he just wants that. It's a big challenge, and he's we've got, we've got to be realistic, he said. And I can't, I completely agree, but he also said, at a, time like, at a club like Manchester United, you don't really get time. You know, it's, you've got to hit the ground running. And there's got to be a balance. I, I know us fans in the stadium, I don't know if one of those top, you know, labourers are top ready or whatever, but the, the people in the stadium, the people go. I mean, you saw... Manchester United fans yesterday chanting we love United we do you're clapping the players as they came over I mean they could have given him some right abuse after what the shit show this season has been but no we still buy him and we'll stand by uh, Eric Ten Hag uh, and I don't think I don't know how much me, uh, social media weirdos go really going to the actual pressure of Manchester United I, I always think it is the people of the stadium and the results so I think he'll get the time easily, and I think he's got the resources. He said he's got he's got his plan already. He knows what he wants to do, and we're seeing that in action already with people we're being linked with, the people like Aaron Wambasaka who looks set to be leaving. So yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I like what he, I like what I've seen so far, but again, it's one press conference, one interview. You know, I don't judge people that it's going to be judged on what he does on the pitch come August. Yeah. Um... As as you say, it's it's hard to to judge somebody so quickly. You know, it, it's literally just his first day, and and I'll, I'm with you. I'll wait till August, especially if he's keeping his cards close to his chest, which I like. I mean, I'm a big believer in managers and honeymoon periods and coming in. I think a big part of that is because you don't really know what to expect. So I'd expect him to start well, but. I really wanted to draw on the point you said about him saying that he's confident because I really liked it. Because as I said, I haven't um, caught up with everything just yet, but. The last manager that we had that sort of carried that confidence, that belief in himself and that sort of swagger was Jose Mourinho. And whilst personally I preferred Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as, as manager because of the football and the feel around the club, what's the most important thing we've got to achieve now? We've got to win a trophy. And, you know, Jose's been the most successful at doing that since Sir Alex Ferguson. And so, yeah, as you say, I like everything I've heard about him. I'm excited. I hope having Ranić, who's had this experience with the side going up to the board is going to help with things like transfers and that because you almost get the impression that maybe managers at United go to the board and say I need this, I need that and the board sort of go well hang on, you've got a £50 million right back there, why do you need another one? But now we're actually going to have someone who's been there and who's been hung out, you know, hung out to dry by these players who can turn around and go oh no actually, we have got a defence 
that's worth hundreds of millions of pounds. But no, they are crap. He does need new ones. So hopefully that'll be a good thing. Um, but yeah, and, and then on the last thing that you said, this is a very classy fan base. You know, that's one of the things that makes me proudest to be a United fan. I look at Liverpool booing Luis Suarez when he goes to Anfield and I'm like, he's one of the best strikers you've had in the Premier League era. What are you doing? Whereas we are very respectful. We appreciate everyone who plays for our club. Unless you're someone like Angel Di Maria who actively uses the club and then chat shit about them or something but regardless of that you know we, we, we're respectful and we will give Eric Ten Hag that chance he's going to get a hero's reception um, I'm not a big believer in the schedule of the league changing you know what happens but I really hope we get our first game at home because I just want to show him that we back you we want you to do well and, and give him that belief going forward oh most definitely um, like I said don't judge anything on what you see in pre-season I think but, but you know these e-reds mm. you know your football twitter and all that crap you know you, you'll be having mark Gorbridge, you know watching the game at free morning whatever it will be when we're in australia and we'll be judging everything he does when mo i don't know how many people will be going down there to start off with because obviously there's international game for the nation league coming up so he says he's gonna get a section of the players back on June 27th, that's only four days I think after England have played their last game so people like Harry Maguire will probably get a bit of an extended break and come back early July so again, you can't judge anything for now, Don't I, I could give a toss about Australia and Thailand uh, it's a lot of way to travel when there's so much work to be done, I know it was obviously pre-planned when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was manager, uh, this, it's been coming up a long time but I mean we said this last week with the amount of work that's been done I don't think we need to be going down there but he is, he's got to get ready for it. And last thing we'll touch on, of course, is the appointment of his assistant uh, and Steve McLaren, you know, the, uh, coming in today, it's been confirmed. He talked about them as well and the qualities they bring. He, he just basically says, yeah, I know them and they're wingers and they will help me win. Uh, they've got a mentality and they know me. Uh, so I like that he's brought in two people he really wants. Apparently he's got to keep around uh, the... Uh, set-piece coach uh, Eric Ramsey it's still to be decided what will happen with uh, Mick Phelan um, this feeling he might stay around but I feel Steve McLaren's almost that replacement for Mick Phelan so I think he'll be going but yeah I, I, I like the appointments we discussed them both last week but I mean at the end of the day it doesn't matter what I think or what you think or what anyone really thinks in this fan base it's what I think that's what has hurt United a lot recently what the fans perception is on stuff it should be what Eric Ten Hag wants, not what I want. Like, if he wants to sell Ronaldo, which he doesn't, but let's see you know, if he did, I might not like it, but if he thinks it's got to help the club, it's got to help the club. But I think that's what we've got to do as a fan base now. Just accept every decision he makes uh, and, you know, let him do his job. I couldn't agree more. Um, that's that's the most important thing now. You know, we talk about United, being, you know, bringing in big signings, spending hundreds of millions of pounds. Ultimately, all I care about is just doing what the manager wants now. You know, that, that was a big thing that Jose's spoken about since leaving, that there were players that he wanted and he just never got them. And I just look at that and I just think, a club like Manchester United, the money that we've got, the prestige, yes, this year we don't have Champions League football, which will affect it a little bit, but surely we can sign most players. I mean, you look at like Declan Rice. If we really wanted Declan Rice, we could buy him. We could convince him to come, even with Europa League football, because he's coming from West Ham. So, ultimately, but you know, on the same page, if if Ten Hag finds this young Dutch fullback who would cost us two and a half million pounds, and he thinks he's the answer, just do it. It doesn't matter what we think. Our job here is, as you know, 
you know podcasters or whatever is just to have a bit of a chat get the fan base thinking have a bit of fun you know just talk about what we love but ultimately our opinions are irrelevant we're not eric ten Hag. he's the one who's got to come in make the big decisions and you just hope the people that matter will listen to it um, i can't agree more i think that's a good way to end the eric ten Hag discussion just good luck eric we're all behind you and i'm excited to see what he does but you know if I'm more excited just to see, you know, now he's, he's going to have a, a lot of pressure and he's got to have a break, he says, and then it's time for hard work in a few weeks. And, um, yeah, I feel the wheels are already in motion. And, obviously, it's a new, not just with the manager, it's almost a new dawn with uh, Fletcher, Murto, uh, and the guys up on, uh, the guys really in control of the football club now. I think that's uh, Richard Arnold. We've got to give him huge praise so far for, you know, put, putting the trust in the process with these guys. And we'll start to see the fruits fruits of a labour I think this summer um, having football guys in charge now and I'm excited but now we're going to be looking forward to uh, well not looking forward to we're going to be giving out some awards and Manchester United uh, the actual club cancelled their award ceremony because of how shit we've been this season but we're going to get stuck in give out some serious awards but we're also going to give out some uh, not so serious awards to celebrate the shit show that was Manchester United in 2020 2021-22 so let's get into it so good. welcome everyone to the Bring On United uh, I should have got dressed up for this young put this nice suit and tie on nice tuxedo welcome to the end of season awards for 2021-2022 season we are celebrating the shit show that is Manchester United and everything surrounding it after the worst season in Premier League history the worst season in what 32 years we've become an embarrassment, we've become a joke, so let's celebrate, let's embrace the shitness, because it can't last for long, surely, so we get to celebrate while we're here, but first of all, let's start with an actual nice award, um, player of the season uh, to you, we'll start with you Zach, and then I'll go with mine, who's your player of the year, out of the two players it could possibly be? Yeah, well I think everybody would say it's a toss-up between De Gea and Ronaldo, De Gea is just found his form again certainly in terms of just saving uh considerably it's it's been it's been a real relief really i think if de gea hadn't have come back to form this year i'd dread to think where we would have been ronaldo on the other hand started strong finished very strong was a bit meh in the middle probably over that sort of january period we didn't really get a lot from him but he has really got us through towards this back end and to finish third only behind Hyungmin son and salah in the golden boot race for a man of his age a man just coming back to the most competitive league in the world is ridiculously impressive especially in this side for me i've gone for cristiano ronaldo only because and i don't like getting sort of swayed by football twitter and people's like bizarre opinions but i have seen a lot of talk about De Gea's distribution recently and it is hard to argue if De Gea was better with his feet was better at playing a ball out we probably would have conceded a few less goals it is close for me though because i think De Gea has still been fantastic but i suppose there is an argument he's making a lot more saves because we're sort of a, a bit more crap and and you know if we were doing better maybe De Gea wouldn't have to be as busy but that's not his fault but yeah trying to weigh them both up it is close but i think De Gea's distribution even in a good season slightly lets him down although it's still been a good one ronaldo on the other hand had that sort of tiny blip in the middle but his goals have been ace, especially, you know, I, I mean, we're doing these awards for the whole season, looking at all competitions. That Champions League group stage, he was just immense. He was on fire. So he pips it for me, only just. Um, I'm going to have to agree. Chris Ronaldo. I love David De Gea, but he has got to see 57 goals. Not all of them his fault. Most of them probably not his fault at all. But um, Cristiano Ronaldo coming back, I mean, 
I'm old enough. I, I was 10 when he left. I, I was just, I was in tears. I had a big poster of him in my bedroom. I came home from school. My mum went, uh, Ronaldo's gone to Madrid. And I, I just burst into tears and I ripped down that poster. And that, that, that night he came back, uh, it was announced. It was so special. Like, I was speaking to a, a really good friend of mine. He works for ESPN, Alex Shaw. And we were just on Twitter. We were literally both pissed as a fart on Twitter celebrating his return. And... 24 goals in this shit show of a Manchester United team he's missed 8 Premier League games uh, 3 from not even being at the club um, and then of course a few for injuring other personal reasons so in 30 games 18 goals in the worst Manchester United side in Premier League history the moments he's giving us the Newcastle the Tottenham hat-trick the Norwich hat-trick you mentioned the Champions League nights the Villarreal um, my, my, I didn't have BT Sport and I, I wasn't able to make it to that game so me and my dad like were about two minutes left we had to put on a, the radio uh, uh, you know, we, were, we were listening to it on BBC Radio uh, Manchester and the, just the scenes like I, I just can't imagine the scenes because we couldn't watch it of uh, Ronaldo celebrating like oh just everything he's done this season he's been perfect he's been you know he had that blip like you said for about a month and somehow he's still ended 2022 I think maybe maybe behind Son now actually with the most goals in the Premier League in this calendar year so let's hope it continues into August and through to December and we'll be singing his praises once again uh, we'll now go on to the opposite who would you say has been our worst player this year and you've probably got a long long list to decide so I'll get out your scroll about 6 foot tall and pick the game you think has been our worst I think this is such a hard one to give because a lot of the players who've been bad obviously like haven't played as much football. Um, I'm, I'm really having to try and think of this on the fly. Obviously, like your players like Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, uh, Aaron Mbappé. I mean, Bruno Fernandes. Obviously, me and you have spoken before. We absolutely love him to bits. He's not had a good season, but obviously, he set his bar so high. Um, Shall, God, I'll I'm, rephrase, I'm trying to I'll, think. I'll rephrase this one then. Biggest disappointment, like yeah, I, th- I think biggest I disappointment. Yeah, sorry, easier. I, yeah, um, I don't like using that worst worst player because it, it feels like we're attacking them and not supporting them. I, I guess you can say a player's been bad without you attacking them immediately, but to give them that title of worst player, I don't, I, I don't want to do so. We'll, we'll change it to biggest disappointment. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably easier because I think everybody has had their moments in this team where they've been bad and and every player's had their moment where they probably had a good game here or there so, so it is hard to say the definitive worst for me the most disappointing I think is going to be a little bit different to a lot of people I'd go with Luke Shaw um, and I know that's probably I think the names that people would think of would be Maguire and, and uh, Bruno uh, I think Maguire because you know, he just seems to be involved in every mistake. And I think Bruno, because there seems to be this massive portion of the Manchester United fan base who have just completely turned on him. And he hasn't been great this season, but I think you've got to give him a chance to try and get back to the level he was at. But for me, Luke Shaw, obviously I know what he's been through in his career with his injury. It's so difficult, but I just can't get over last season. He was genuinely considered one of the best left-backs in the world. He came into this season off the back of a fantastic Euros with England, scoring, you know, you know, one of only, I think, three England players to score in a competitive final ever. Such a good moment for him. He, you know, he was absolutely on fire. And he's got to a point now where you think, you know, Alex Tellers is being favoured over him. And fair play to Tellers. He can cross the ball he's got a good corner on him he seems to have bailed out set piece coach 
a little bit towards the back end of the season. But he cannot defend at all. And he's keeping out last season's best Premier League left back. I think that's mental. I just I just can't really get over it. I think it's so disappointing. Um, and yeah, I'm just gutted because I really thought left back was a position that Luke Shaw would just lock down and we wouldn't have to worry about it for another few more years. And and yeah, I just, the one that stands out to me is that City game at Old Trafford. That second goal they scored where he just completely switched off and let Bernardo Silva score a tap in. Mental to me. So yeah, there's there's some there's some definite honourable mentions, but I'd give it to Luke Shaw surprisingly. I'm not going with Harry Maguire or uh, Bruno either. Um, I, I've got to go with Marcus Rashford, and I, I know mm. he's been he's been given a, a torrent amount of horrible abuse, and that's just not justified at all. You know, he's, he's probably he's going through a hard time. You know, he had to come back from like Euros miss, where he was probably the main villain from that final, missing that penalty or you know, everything. The you know, the racial abuse, the uh, de- destruction of his monuments and memorials, stuff like that. Um, but he's just. I just the turning point for me was that Villa game in the FA Cup where he just he just the disinterest and I just from he was the face of his club you know he was scoring twenty goals you know him and Martial you know Martial you could spit, you forget his hair and but yeah one percent it has to be Martin mm. Rashford um, I thought that West Ham ninetieth minute goal it was going to be like the kicking on his season but no it's just not at all not happened just whatsoever and he just he looks broken and it concerns me so much uh i'm really worried what will happen with him um he wasn't really mentioned in the press conference today so we still don't know what ten hag's probably thinking but um we we spoke about it last week we are light up front so i think he'll stick around and I, I can see him being back to his best but he's definitely been the biggest disappointment for me this season um you just that's a great shout you come back and after that Euros a spot get Old Trafford and he'd be banging in goals again but it's just not happened whatsoever so we'll move on now to um, most improved who's a player you think's just come on leap and bounds this season and you know you're happy they'll go over here next season probably and it, it, you know we might not play an important role but just someone who's improved so much you're like yes I can see them being part of this project next season who you probably thought 12 months ago wouldn't be maybe Trying to find someone who's come on leaps and bounds is quite difficult. I, I don't know if there's any player who sort of, to me, screams like you have to be in the team next season, apart from players who are already established, like your De Gea, your Ronaldo, your Bruno. I think I'd give it to Fred. I think I liked his turn in form when Ranić came in. Obviously, he started off so well with that first goal. I thought, I mean, this is my sort of hot take that will probably get clipped up everywhere, but... I think if we'd won that Atletico Madrid game, I think it was one of the standout Champions League performances I've seen in my time from a Manchester United player. He was absolutely immense in that first half. And you're starting to see a bit of a player in there. You know, he was a player who, for me, I think got scapegoated. I think when we were failing, you know, in the last couple of years, everyone would turn to Fred. He's really not that bad. He's not incredible, but, you know... Uh, we've said we've said countless times on this podcast the big problem we've got is we've got about 10 new players we need to sign and the maximum we're going to sign this summer is maybe four or five so you've got to start picking apart you know okay who could we get away with who maybe isn't ideal but can do a job and i think fred's proven that he can do that you know he's not a bad footballer he's got a nice little chemistry with mctominay uh, you know we know that they can do a, a bit of a job together and I think he has looked better, and I think he has been a bit of a, you know, towards Ranić sort of when he started and first came in. He, he was he was helping him. He was one of the first names I'd have thought on Ranić's team sheet. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you'd throw in like 
I suppose you could throw in someone like Alanga coming in and making himself a first team presence all the time. But again, I didn't. I don't watch a lot of like youth academy football, so you know, I'm sure a lot of people are telling me that Alanga was already class. It's just that he's now doing it on a first team level. So I'd be very interested to hear if you've got a different one because, yeah. I, I, as I say, I like Deal Rashford one. I didn't even think of him for the last one, but Fred's the name that comes to me. No, I, I'm I'm 100 behind you, uh, Fred. Is come, he he really has you know. If, he were getting, you, you say he was a scapegoat, and he, he was for a lot of things, but at times he was really poor. But I just don't understand why it's taken mm-hmm. Michael Carrick put him further forward against it. It was Villarreal, his first like, star shining game for uh, this season. I know he scored against Leeds at the beginning, but he just pushed him a little bit forward instead of sitting with McTominay. He just seemed, you know, that high energy, that high press, you know, that running it was good coming and trying him coming and he really has like he's be, he's become a he's a very likable person anyway he's always smiling he's always happy uh, I guess that's an easy target you know when we're being shit and he's like why is he smiling why is he happy you know? but he really has done really well since Rangnick and uh, Carrick uh, took over and he's come on really he's, you know, I'm not saying he should be scared for Manchester United but I'm happy you know for him to come off the bench you'll know, be part of his team he's a, he's a nice he's a nice guy he's a and he has got that energy. If you're chasing a goal, and you need to sort of come off the bench because you're pressed, bit of energy, fast, fresh. Fred's that guy. Like he, he run, run around, get the ball. He's, he's got, he's got a decent left foot as well. Um, as we've seen this season, he's, I think up until about a week ago, he scored more goals than Messi. Um, Play to him. <laughs> next one. I love that stat. Yeah, not anymore. Uh, biggest regressor. God, I um, I, I guess I guess you could throw Maguire and Shaw into that mix, couldn't you? Um, God, I haven't even thought about this one. See, Joe, you know I'm, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. I'm, I'm going to let I'm going to let you, you've let me go first. I'm going to hear yours. I'm going to have a little think about it because no, I haven't I'm, even thought about this. One. I'm going Maguire. Uh, you could throw Rashford. I say he's been. He's the. Uh, I don't know who has you. Know, there's other than Fred, maybe, and De Gea and Ronaldo. Everyone's regressed, and that's why we've been so shit. You can throw Bruno in, but I'm going to have to go with Maguire. Like um, all the last season, we we argued that if he was at the Europa League final, we'd have won it. Stuff like that, and the Euros, he was the. He, if we'd have won the Euros, he'd have been player of the tournament. He'd have won that instead of Donnarumma, uh, and I just it, it seems unthinkable that 12 months ago he was being considered like. A, Top level centre back, you know, sort of almost vindicate my 80 million now, and to where he is now, a shell of a player. And just because he's regressed doesn't mean he can't go forward again. You know, he, he can get back to the levels he's had before, and more probably, he's coming at that time where he's, you know, he's coming at like the prime of his career. So definitely, I'd go um, Maguire 100%. He's regressed so much, but like you said, there's countless names you can throw in. I think I was gonna say, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Like literally everybody you know that's why i think it's such a struggle but you know what you've you've convinced me i'll go harry Maguire too i'm such a big Maguire fan i just, I just love him from i mean i'm, I'm such a big england fan yeah. so i just love what he did for the country and that makes me want him to do well in the united shirt but yeah as you say i was just i, I i'm struggling you know because has any has anyone like gone the other way it, it, in a good direction no so i mean you know i again i mentioned a little bit on the most disappointing one you almost have to throw Bruno into that conversation. Like, I, but I just think it's a case of there are people who've gone, you know, worse in that sort of sense. You know, I, I just love Bruno. I just, I just hate chatting rubbish about him. But, you know, every single player seems to have taken steps in the wrong direction, unfortunately. 
but yeah, I'll agree with you on Harry Maguire. So we'll go, uh, go game of the season. Uh, what was, what is your being? What's been your favourite game you've gone to? You've watched this season. I mean, there's not many. Uh, it's probably more from <laughs> earlier in the season. So yeah, uh, favourite game. I'm guessing it's going to be one of those Champions League nights. Yeah, well, unfortunately, as, as you know, people understand, like, I can't get away tickets, so unfortunately, I can't throw in any away ones. Um, or that, you know, I, 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 I imagine the people who were there might argue that the Leeds 4 2 1 because of the way that happened was awesome. But for me, it's all home games. You know, I chuck in a few honorable mentions the Arsenal one uh, towards sort of like Christmas time with the, with the penalty was awesome. The Tottenham Ronaldo hat trick and the Norwich Ronaldo hat trick I really enjoyed I enjoyed the last game of the season the 3-0 against Brentford I thought that was a nice way to finish it off but for me I think there's there's probably four like the ones that stand out I think Leeds first game of the season was awesome but maybe I wouldn't put that as my favorite just because at that point we didn't know how tough things were going to get so we just sort of enjoyed it maybe not as much as we should have done as you say, Champions League nights, uh, Atalanta, the comeback from 2-0 down to 3-2 was awesome. However, I think my favourite Champions League night was definitely the Villarreal one. Again, terrible performance. Only thing for that was, I don't think there were any away fans in the ground, which sort of took away from the atmosphere a little bit, which was a shame. Although it did went, you know, it went completely off. It went absolutely mental when Ronaldo scored the winner. It was one of my favourites. You know, I, I love it when you get limbs at Old Trafford because it doesn't happen a lot because, no. you know, obviously... We don't want to go into all the details about why Old Trafford isn't the most electric ground. But, you know, when it does happen, it feels so special. But look, I've got to go with Newcastle at home. I just, just what a, what a day. You know, the game was awesome, but I just still can't believe it. Like, that's one of those moments I'll never, ever forget. You know, again, we talk about the Old Trafford atmosphere, but I've never heard anything like it. The whole stadium, every single, even like your family areas, stood up singing Viva Ronaldo. When he bagged just before half-time, it was awesome. But then it was even better. Newcastle obviously made it 1-1. And then he goes up. Awesome goal. Bruno scores a banger. Jesse finishes it off. I think um, was that I think that was his first goal back after his loan. I think that was yeah. before the West Ham game that he won for us. Just everything, everything just everything just sort of, you know, clicked on that day. And, and you really felt because we'd had a decent run after the first game against Leeds but I remember we'd drawn with Southampton I think obviously he who must not be named Bales does that a couple of times after that with a couple of goals so you were feeling like it was good but not great then Ronaldo signed and we were like okay this could be it and then we smashed Newcastle and you're thinking this is the season and it didn't end up that way but it was still a special day so that's my favourite I'm going after go you mentioned it I'm going with uh, Leeds at home just I've just not even just because, I mean, we won 5-1, which, first of all, amazing, against Leeds, our biggest rivals. First time we're allowed to go back into the grounds. I just think that was it. It's the occasion more than anything. Two years we've been locked out of Old Trafford almost. Um, it had been so long since, you know, 18 months. We've had this horrible time with COVID and everything, you know, being shutting doors. And just getting on that train at half seven, cracking up on that can. Uh, getting to Weatherspoon, seeing people you haven't seen for so long, getting to uh, the Trafford pub, you know, singing his hearts out before we go in. Uh, we went in about 12, getting to the seats, giving some Leeds fans up way in. Uh, just that, having football back in his lives, when you know, normal football. And then we ended up winning five lugs, seeing a Bruno hat-trick, um, everything was sunshine. It was a beautiful day. Going back in uh, Manchester afterwards, having a few more pints with more people you haven't seen. It was one of the best days I've had post lockdown. You know, just 
missing football so much you're wanting to go it was wasn't the same watching it you know in them empty stadiums and just the atmosphere that day and yeah like you said we know it was going to turn out bad but you're like only going to social chance right just the, the ramp i was that pissed i thought the ram was just a random bloke on the pitch i only like afterwards uh that it was rafael varag i was thinking oh look some, some guys on pitch but i didn't <laughs> notice it either i just thought oh, it was I, a- I sit so high up yeah my my seat is ridiculously high up in the Stratford end, so you can't always hear the announcer no. when it's loud. Oh, you can't. I had no idea it was Raphael Varane. I just no thought, idea. I, I literally went to my dad, who's this guy in the suit were clapping. So I just started clapping. I was like, <laughs> I was pissed as a fart already. And yeah, I just, oh, it was a brilliant, brilliant day. I, I can't, you couldn't beat that against Leeds. But, you know, giving it to some ball bastard. I was get, getting mouthy with him. I was just trying to shut up at 3-1, like, shut up, mate. And, oh, it was a beautiful day. And, yeah, easily my game. I mean, the Ronaldo one, the Newcastle game, but obviously it's magical. We've had, that's what I mean, in a shit season, we've still had some really magical moments, which I think is mm. good to look back on. You know, let's try yeah. and focus on them happy the, ones. The, there is genuinely nothing like being a red. Like, no. you know, you, even when we're bad, we'll just have fun. Like, I enjoyed this weekend and we lost. Like, you know, you just you just make the most of that shit situations. And, yeah. and there's always moments when you're a Man United fan. There's always going to be at least four or five games in a season where you just go, that was ace. Oh, right, let's flip it 180. Uh, the worst one. And I, I think... I'm pretty sure I know which one mine was. I mean, there's been a lot of like low moments, but nothing. I'll, I'll let you go first, game. But yeah, I definitely know mine. What I like to see what you think. The worst game. I mean, I, again, like it's it's one of those. There is a standout one for me. There, oh, there were so I, many. Wait, I mean, I'm, I'll, wait, I'll try and do a bit of an honourable mentions yeah. one. I, I've just remembered one, uh, and I didn't want to remember it. Oh, really sad. There are so many. I mean, the the Watford one for me broke my heart because I knew that that was it for Ollie. And even though, like I say that, I, I was ready for him to go, but it still broke my heart seeing it finish like that. I just couldn't believe it. Both the City games, one, you know, for me, I thought just showing absolutely no fight whatsoever. It was just disgusting. The Young Boys one, that first loss in the Champions League was, was just abysmal. Um, I mean, Everton... How the hell do you lose to Everton? 4 0 against Brighton. Just just disgraceful. Arsenal at the Emirates. Like, you know, I, even Atletico at home. Like, yes, we only lost by one goal, but we didn't even try. Like, there's so many games that stand out. I think, I mean, Liverpool away is one, but I, I can't not give it to Liverpool at home. This is I mean, I've just, just never seen anything like it. Uh, I, I just for me it's just I, I don't I don't know about I, just, I don't think we've spoken about this I, I stayed in the ground all the way through because I'm just you know that's not me trying to say I'm a massive fan I just I'm always scared that the one time I leave early I'll miss something like Ronaldo would score a halfway line bicycle kick or something and make it 5-1 like that that's me and I've got to say that is also one of my proudest moments of the season hearing the United Calypso ring around when we were 5-0 down and we outsung the Liverpool away crowd bearing in mind the Old Trafford atmosphere is wank let, let, let's be absolutely fair it, it's not good that that may be very proud but it doesn't change the fact that it was an absolute disgrace it, it was just disgusting like yeah, I, I can take losing I don't mind Manchester United losing because you go through periods as a football club where you're on top and you go through periods when you're down but getting battered at your own place by your biggest rivals is just 
yeah, nothing hurts like that. And then those clips of seeing the fans leave early, I, I just hate it. I, I just, oh, yeah. I don't ever want to go through that again. I'd, I'd erase that one from my mind when it popped back in just before you said, yeah. Uh, I was going to go Watford, mm. uh, Watford away. Yeah. Uh, if you ask for a saddest moment, I, it would be uh, that, that interview with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when he left uh, with Manchester United. Oh. Uh, I watched it last night again. It, oh. it just breaks my heart. It just makes me... It, it, it's dangerous, though, because it makes me want him back. And, and like, he shouldn't come back because, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But you just look at it and you're like, oh, my... When he talks about De Gea missing the penalty, yeah. and oh, it just, it just, it just breaks what, you. Know, it, it brought, like, the Europa League final brought back memories of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer taking that medal, looking at it with tears in his eyes. But like when he cracked up, I, honestly, I, I, I was... I was cracking up too. I'm listening to that. That was probably like the worst moment. I was going to go Watford forward just because the ramifications it had and the events it's setting to place with Ollie going and that interview ending in Absolutely. tears. Absolutely. But yeah, I'd have to go Liverpool 5 you know, Like I, I'd erase that from my memory. So thanks for reminding me. Uh, but uh, yeah. Sorry. Not one. There's so many to think of. Like one escape here. I was thinking Brighton. Yeah, I was thinking City away, Liverpool away. But yeah, that 5 0 drumming. I mean. Oh, that, that's that is literally where the, it fell off. That was the moment you knew it was going to happen this season. But Hollywood go, uh, I just didn't think he could recover from that. I know we went and won three two against no at three three nil. Sorry, at the Tottenham Stadium a week later. But yeah, it just hurt so much. And oh, but yeah, that interview's sadly going to season. If we go give that one, uh, we'll go, well happy memories again. We'll go goal of the season. I, I'll I'll go first. Um, there's a few. But I've got to go probably uh, the Ronaldo goal against Tottenham at Old Trafford, his first one. Just that, watching that bagger going in, I was in the Stratford end, but watching it from the opposite angle, oh, what a, what a finish. And what a day that turned out to be. Uh, I can't think of any other better goals. There probably was one. But I'm going Ronaldo, Tottenham at home. I mean, I mean Tottenham away actually could rival it. The volley, uh, that was a brilliant goal as well. I mean, it's got to be Ronaldo goal because he scored all our goals at his heels this season. Yeah, I think that's the best goal. I'd love to give a shout to my personal favourite goal of the season was Bruno's hat trick goal against Leeds. Oh, I just thought that was so yeah. crisp. That oh my, oh my god, just just the finish. It was one of those. It's one of those. It's like a like a satisfying finish. The way he just smashed it in. Ah, oh, that, that I just love that one because I love Bruno and seeing him get the hat. Oh, I just thought it was the perfect way. But yeah, I agree. I think I think technically the best goal was was Ronaldo. I think I loved his free kick against Norwich, but there's definitely an argument that the keeper could have done better. So, you know, or at least I think because the keeper, put, you know, touched it, it didn't look quite as good. Volley against yeah, that's Atalanta. the one that stands out to me. I also think, yep, that um, volley, yeah, that the, was the classic. Also, yeah. Tellers is one. Oh, yeah. Tellers yeah. is one against Atalanta at home was, was really clean. I think because it didn't go top corner and it went along the ground, you don't think of it as like a great goal, but what a technique. I mean, Bruno just pinged it and you thought he'd overhit the cross and you know, then you realise exactly what he was doing. I love that. So yeah, I think best one is Ronaldo against Tottenham. That was that was a belter. Um, let's go on to uh, Unsung Hero. Uh, if we'll wrap this up in a second, but Unsung Hero of the season. I, I, probably a left field choice. I just think Matic, every time he's come on this season, he's calmed us down in that midfield. Um, I guess you could say Fred as well. We talked about him as most improved, but I think Fred's actually got his applauds this season. He's got his, you know, raving reviews at points. But yeah, um, Matic. I think everything he's done, he's done quietly. He's always good. His job. He's always been professional. He's helped the team out. 
I always think we've looked better with him in his midfield this season compared to Scott McTominay. And I'm sad to see him leave back and understand why it's a new era, it's a new door, we need new players. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably go Matic. I don't think he's got the exact plaudits he's deserved when he's played this season because we've probably still lost him being shit. Yeah, I, do you know what? I, I, I think I could agree with you. I think someone who maybe isn't spoken about as much because they started the season poorly is Jadon Sancho. Yeah. I think he has slowly gotten better as the season's gone on. Um, so I think I could definitely give him a shout in there. Um, but I do, I do like Matic one as well. Again, it's it's hard to give an unsung hero because nobody's been consistently good. Um, I think Dallo is maybe one who has fallen off, but I, I was really impressed by the fact that he managed to come back and break into the squad. But yeah, may, may, maybe Sancho's the one I'll go oh, no, for, I, just because nobody really speaks about him no, as like much. That. I, no, that's actually, I didn't consider him at all, but yeah, uh, I, I guess he's gone missing these last three weeks because he's had console accident uh, injury. Um, but you know, I think when Ronaldo went quiet, he stepped up and obviously that goal at the Etihad, that were actually one of the goals as well. I got ultimately lost 4-1. That was ace, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah, I, I, honestly, I, now you've said it, I, yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, Sancho, I can see him going leaps and bounds again next season. We'll probably be talking about him as probably most improved next year, giving him, you know, giving a run he'll get in the squad next year with Ten Hag. And then finally, we'll go give one uh, a special award to Rugby he's leaving us, sadly. But uh, Jesse Lingard, you'll go with the chat shit, get banned award. Because, let's be honest, he's been chatting a lot of shit, hasn't he, recently? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I, I, we said it We said it a few podcasts ago. It, I'm gutted that Jesse's going because he is, for me, a cult hero for his goals in the finals. But it's a sad way to go out, really. Looking at it now, when last season ended, I really wanted him to stay. I thought he'd go, oh, but honestly. after his performances against West Ham, I am one of these Jesse Lingard lovers. But looking back on it now, he should have just gone. He was never, ever going to take Bruno's spot. It's just... It's just... And it's... it's it's sad that it's going to end on this sort of note for someone who's, you know, was an academy graduate but never sort of broke straight through, had to go on so many loans, had to work hard to get into the United squad then to contribute so much to us winning basically everything we've won post Sir Alex Ferguson. It's sad. It's sad because he is one of our better players of the last decade in, in, a, in a weird way. Um, but but no, but no, absolutely. Chat shit get banged is, is a worthy award if the rumours are true, obviously. I mean, yeah, you can share it with your brother, who's definitely been chatting shit a lot. So, um, you and Rebecca yeah. Vardy, mate, you, you and Rebecca Vardy can, can share a award as well if you want. Uh, but no, I agree. It's sad when it's ending like this. We, uh, maybe the hierarchy in the clubbing, even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, has got to take a bit of thing like, yeah, we let we should have let him go, we should have just let him fill his wishes. But they, they had a valuation of him. I think that's fair. But if Oli did make promises uh, about playing time and broke it. But then again, Ralph, if Ralph Randnick's not fancied him at times either, so it's hard. And uh, But even if you're not getting played, look at one matter. You don't see one matter leaking stuff to the press, you're complaining, you're whinging, you're no. just, he's got his head down, he's trained hard, he's, he's got game time towards the end. So yeah, you and your brother can have that all together. Um, it's just a picture of Jamie Vardy, so enjoy it. Um, hope you hang it up on your, uh, your mantelpiece, Jesse. <laughs> Right there, guys. That is the end of the Bring On United podcast. Uh, of course, the new format, uh, if you haven't noticed on YouTube, we've put out shorter videos and clips from the podcast rather than the full thing. So if you're still listening to the audio version, I hope you have enjoyed. Do give us five star if you're listening on Apple or uh, Spotify. Um, hope, I hope you have enjoyed, of course. Uh, do leave some feedback about the podcast if you're enjoying it. Um, 
we hope you've enjoyed um obviously come over to our youtube channel subscribe bring on united podcast uh, i believe it's called you can follow us on twitter at bring on united pod and uh we we post some stuff there as well but yeah that's being it thank the lord for 2021 22 season Let, let's just awful. say a quick prayer that by the next podcast we sit down to record real madrid are the champions league winners that's a good thing as well yeah Halle madrid um amen to that um but yeah it's over thank the god thank god for that we're moving on up if i could play some primal screen right now i would but yeah we're moving on up and let's just hope it's going to be a good one next year thank you for listening we will see you very soon when there'll be some news about Manchester United which there always seems to be anyway so bye bye